Hello and welcome to the NSUKP episode number 171. I am Al and I'm joined by Anton. Hi Anton. Uh, hello Alistair and um, yes, sadly it's just ourselves this week. Yeah, this week Mike is currently hacking his way through the jungles of Peru in search of a unicorn that he has heard tale from the locals is running rampant around the jungle. So, I mean, I'm hoping him, the, wishing him the best of luck. I hope he finds it. That would be that would be monumental and groundbreaking if he does find this unicorn. But uh, yeah, sadly, that means he can't be with us. Indeed, but nevertheless, we have plenty of stories, gaming goodness, and ourselves. <laughs> Indeed, indeed we do. So, I mean, let's, what have you been playing this week? Have you played your Switch this week? Because we've we've not got the best track record, actually. I have to say, can we redeem ourselves? Uh, sadly, not in this case. I have been playing some Sonic Mania Plus, which, in all fairness, I do own it on the Switch, and it's a great Switch game. So I could have played it on there. And I've also been playing some Simpsons Hit and Run, which you know. If it was on the Switch, I would be there. I would be first in line, Al. How many times have we talked about this game? We need it on the Switch, and it would so easily run on the Switch. Just give it to us. Although, I presume there's probably something to do with the publisher, or the developer, or the licensing. There'll be some reason we've not got it right. Yeah, I, I've looked into it a couple of times, and even people that have worked in the game are like, I have no idea who owns it. It's like mergers, acquisitions, selling. It's like changed so many so many hands and nobody knows who owns what never mind mixing in the simpsons ip into that equation i guarantee uh, a lawyer somewhere knows because that's what they get paid to do someone somewhere in some law firm knows fingers crossed and you know it's going to somebody's going to wake up and it's going to be like a dentist owns it now it's going to be just out there in somebody's legal documents we'll find that in through some strange um twist of fate that homer simpson now owns it I mean, that wouldn't really surprise me, to be honest. Or Apu. Maybe Apu owns it. Wonderful. That, that's why he's not in the new episodes. He's too busy holding on to the Simpsons hit and run IP. <laughs> How about yourself? <laughs> what have you been playing? Well, I have mostly been playing GTA V, to be honest, and that is on the Xbox. But I did redeem myself today by playing the new courses in Mario Kart 8, the second wave that dropped this week, or last week. I forget exactly when it came out, but we downloaded them. I spent uh, a couple of hours, probably not a couple of hours, spent maybe half an hour or two an hour doing both cups on 150cc with my other half. And I have to say, really, really, really good additions. Thoroughly like them. I recognise most of them from Tour. Uh, and then if you played some of the older games, you'll probably recognise them from things like the Game Boy Advance and the N64. And they're not... Most of them aren't new, new courses. But they are very, very good. And I just thoroughly enjoy the new content. It's great. It just... Uh, it lifts the game up and gives it a fresh, a fresh breath of air and... I can't wait to see what other ones we get. I take it, have you, you've not downloaded them yet, have you? Uh, not yet. I, I haven't, as you know, not been quite on it, but I am excited to dive in. I've seen some people be a little bit cynical on social media about it being like, it's the B-sides. I was like, yes, if it wasn't the B-sides, it would have been in the game already. <laughs> We're getting the <laughs> ultimate collection. <laughs> see, I think that's a bit mean calling them the B-sides because yeah. they're all really good tracks. It's just, I don't know where people... Well, why people have an issue with them. They're very, very good tracks. They're all hits in their own little right. And let's face it, Mario Kart courses are just good. I mean, I don't really have a favourite Mario Kart course. I just like playing Mario Kart. 
Do you have, do you have, you, have you got a favourite course or the ones yeah. you prefer or dislike? I do have a favourite, and that's Wary Wears Mountain. Um, the one where it's like, you know, there's no the laps. So skiing one. Yeah, so it's like there's no laps, but overall, there's never been a ma- bad Mario Kart. Uh, the only ones I can really see people griping with is the SNES courses. Like, they're a little bit older, but they're, great. I they're love so them. fun. They are, yeah, exactly. They're, they're a completely different experience. They're a shorter, tighter, more frantic course, and I really love them. I would be very upset if they weren't there. And to be fair, most of the time recently, I've been playing them on Mario Kart Tour, but I play that on my phone on silent. So when it came on and it had the SNES music, I was so happy. Because I just don't normally hear the sound effects that go with it. So I'm just loving all this this content. So, I think it's great. Do you have a favourite single course, if you had to pick one from the new expansion pack? Or wave two of the course booster? That is a good question. I sort of feel like I should say New York Minute because everyone else raves about New York Minute. I don't know if it is actually my favourite. I may be inclined to say SNES course, actually, because it was just short and fun. I, I like it. <laughs> It's not the most visually exciting or interesting, but it's a good fun track just to race around. You know, can't can't knock it. I'll need to report back once my time of playing has came. Indeed, indeed. All right. Well, should we move on to our uh, our news for the week? Let's do it. Tell us what people want to know. Okay, Galaxy Trail has announced Freedom Planet Two for the Nintendo Switch, a fast-paced sixteen-bit platformer coming out in summer of twenty twenty-three. That means it's not coming out anytime soon, then, Anton. No, um, it does mean it will be coming out a good six plus months later than its PC port. And hopefully if there are any rough edges that will be all ironed out by the time we get on Nintendo Switch. Freedom Planet, if you're familiar, was based on a basically like a Sonic the Hedgehog ROM hack at some point and then it slowly evolved into its own IP and the first game was very, very well reviewed but very much still 16 base in nature and Although this one is still a 16-bit platformer, it looks like it's pushing it and refining it, and I'm quite excited to get my hands on this one. I enjoyed elements of Freedom Planet. It had the momentum-based gameplay of a Sonic game. It wasn't 100% on the money for me personally. So I'm excited to see if uh, Freedom Planet 2 can hit that on the head, because I do like a good bit of Sonic, especially if it's not got Zega involved. <laughs> <laughs> you can very much see the Sonic roots in it. It is actually quite a, quite a cool-looking game. It's worth going, digging it out, having a look at it, and when this one comes out, maybe give it a little shot. You, The characters do move in a very Sonic-esque way, and some bits of the levels are very Sonic-esque. But at the same time, it's kind of a different enough art style. The, car, the characters look... I'm going to say... You can tell they're from the same wheelhouse as Sonic, but they're, they're more cartoony, I think is maybe the description I would give you. Big eyes, big heads, kind of animal bodies... Which sounds horrendous, actually, when you just go it that way. But they're not. And it's kind of got quite a lot of character. There's there's a lot going on on the screen, but not overwhelming like a bullet storm kind of way. It's, it's just engaging. And I think this one has a fair bit of potential. I, I hope it's as good as it could be when it comes out next year. But we'll know in September when it comes out in the PC. We can find out whether it's actually worth it or not. Fingers crossed. It is looking good. Indeed. All right. No, no, Hara Works has announced Calm for the Nintendo Switch. It's a fancy adventure coming out in Q4 of 2024. So that's even further away. Uh, this one does intrigue me a little bit, but it's kind of hard to get much of a sense from what we've seen. They've given us a Japanese trailer with some English subtitles at the bottom that don't really tell you a whole lot. There's a press release that tells you a bit more, but what do you make of it, Anton? 
Um, one, I do feel like they have announced it very, very early, especially for an indie. And um, but overall, it's charming. It reminds me that they tried to make Breath of the Wild, but like in the you know uh, kind of Octopath Traveler kind of aesthetic. So kind of all the kind of muted colors, the kind of uh, muted browns and oranges and stuff like that. It's isometric, but still going for that big expansive world vibe to it. And from the the sounds of it, it doesn't sound as expansive as it looks. I'm impressed in that. I just hope they've got the content to back it up. It's kind of sitting in a, an awkward spot between indie and kind of like a double A title. It's interesting to see. Yeah, it's a really, really weird one. No premises. You're basically set up in this little town called Calm, which is like a cliff town and there's some like a sea of clouds at the bottom of the village and there's an expanse of clouds at the top of the village and you're operating in this little window in between. Now, I have no idea how big that little window actually is. And from what I've seen in the trailer, I can't really figure out exactly what you do other than unravel the story. And actually, this might have an amazing story behind it. I would hope it would to drive such a thing forward. And if the music in the trailer is anything to go by, Calm, it's actually quite a nice and appropriate name for the game because it does have very soothing vibes, at least to its music. And it doesn't look, from what we've seen, that the game is too frantic either. So it might be quite a nice little adventure. Next up... Uh, Inti Crates has announced Grim Guardians Demon Purge the Nintendo Switch, a 2D action platformer with, well, no release date at all. This one looks kind of cool. It's, I suppose, best described as a mashup of Mega Man and Castlevania, I would say. You've kind of got Mega Man movement and shooting and blasting and guns, with Castlevania up close, hack and slash, in a fairly gothic kind of anime manga style world. Would you describe it in a better way, or is that nail on the head, Anton? That is the nail on the head. It looks very, very fun, you know. Castlevania's, never mind Castle uh, Metroidvania's, you know, it's blown into an entire genre within of its own. And I think what the uh, kind of blood uh, bloodstained um, games kind of show is that it's hard to just do a Castlevania game anymore. And similarly, it's hard to just do a Mega Man style game. They've inspired so many games in of themselves. So kind of combining them there. It is a brilliant 80s, 90s mashup. It's, yeah, it looks really solid. And admittedly, you know, gameplay-wise, it'll probably just play like a Mega Man game, but they've given it, you know, a unique visual aesthetic that kind of makes it stand out. Yeah, there's something uniquely Japanese about the trailer. When you watch it, you go, this is definitely a Japanese game. It's made by the Japanese for the Japanese market. It just smacks a Japanese, but that's not a bad thing. Uh, and let's face it, um, integrates they've got form. They made Mega Man Zero. They're behind Azure Striker Gunvolt, which we talked about, I'm going to say, last week. And I think they did Bloodstained, didn't they? Yeah, I think they did Curse of the Moon, this kind of 8-bit sub-franchise, which, those were much better than the main game, ironically, even though it was meant to originally be a pre-order bonus, not pre-order bonus, Kickstarter bonus for funding the big title. And, uh, yeah, Curse of the Moon was much better than the full title, so... uh, you know, they are good at what they do. Don't. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, let's keep an eye on that one. Uh, our next game is coming courtesy of THQ Nordic, who announced AEW Fight Forever for the Nintendo Switch, a new AA, AAA wrestling game coming out in 2022, which means probably in time for Christmas. I have to say I have no idea what AEW even is. I've heard of WWE, 
What the heck is AEW? Do you know? Um, I believe it is just a slightly, uh, let's say, kind of less uh, popular version of the WWE with, you know, their own people signed to their own contracts that have nothing to do, but, you know, its own lore and its own uh, kind of wrestlers. That it's do basically the, the, the uh, home and away to neighbours uh, relationship. Both fine, doing their own thing. One's a bit more famous than the other. Both yeah. entertainment. Both it's entirely fictitious. Yeah, pets <laughs> to FIFA. You know, it's not the, the big IP that everybody's familiar with, but still uh, a recognised force within of the industry. And as a game, you know, the WWE games on Nintendo Switch have set the bar so low that I feel sorry for the people that really love those games. So even if this is slightly competent, it'll be a massive upgrade that, compared to anything that's came before. And I get the impression, the fact that they've not slapped a number on this arbitrarily, is they want this to be a title to last. It won't be throw away next year with the next set of wrestlers, unless it's very successful, of course. Um, you know, hopefully they've put a little bit more care and effort in this one. Well, fingers crossed. We haven't really got much to go on at the moment, other than the fact they've announced it, and there's a, I'm going to call it a teaser trailer, which shows no gameplay whatsoever. None. So we really haven't got much other than I think about four screenshots that have been released and there was a placeholder date on its release on Amazon for something like a 31st of December and price of 49.99. None of which is a massive surprise because it's not really even properly announced in, in any great detail. So sure, it will be what it will be. Here's hoping it's better than WWE. That almost rhymed, but not quite. Wonderscope Games have announced Hoko Life for the Nintendo Switch, published by Team17. It's a community life sim in a village, coming out the 27th of September, and it basically smacks of, well, Animal Crossing, to me. Yeah, this one, it's an interesting one. The, the whole selling point of this game for the longest time has been its Animal Crossing on PC, and I think, like many of the karting games that do okay on other platforms, like playstation and xbox and then they put them on nintendo switch and then get slaughtered by mario kart i i don't think this is going to do very well on the switch i I think this is just you know makes sense on the switch but it's not going to be well do well on the switch because although they've done an impressive job of replicating many of the aspects of animal crossing it's clearly just not to the same bar of quality and i think they're going to have to be aggressive on their pricing to sway people away from the the more established franchise um or people that are already familiar with the far more polished title yeah that that's it that is the big problem we already have animal crossing i guess the the main thing this one maybe has going in its favor is the fact that you can go into the city which is something that's not it's not really there in animal crossing i think i'm safe in saying that this one gives you a bit more of an expansive world to go and go into in the metropolitan sense Uh, would you agree with that yeah which uh, it does have that going for it. So if you liked Animal, Animal Crossing City Folk, uh, they finally made a game for you. <laughs> there you go, exactly. Uh, okay, SNK have announced Neo Geo Pocket Color Selection Volume 2 for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, they've not really given us much more to go on, other than the fact they said you're getting it. They've not told us when, not told us how much, they've not even told us what games are in it. So, great, thanks yeah. for that. <laughs> what a pointless announcement. You know, by calling the first one Volume 1, it kind of implied there would be another one eventually. So coming along and being like, we're making another one isn't very exciting. 
And I mean, why would you bother announcing it until you actually can tell people who are in it and give them a little modicum of excitement? That's the dumbest announcement I've seen for quite some time. Yeah, it's just the fact that it's already implied. It's like, you know, they were like, okay, we're doing, um, you know, uh, Shang-Chi um, 2 Part 1. And then, like, they're like, guess what? Big announcement, we're doing Part 2. <laughs> At some point, but we're not going to tell you when. <laughs> Um, anyway, it'll be good when it arrives. We've got tons of great Neo Geo games already on the Nintendo Switch, and we're getting a whole bunch more out of here. Indeed, and repeating the spot, have you got any idea what might be in it? Any wish lists that you would put on it? Oh, um, I'm trying to think. I think we had, I can't recall if we had a Metal Slug in the last one, which is essential we as in KMAX. Yeah, well, we had Metal Slug first mission and the second mission. Oh, okay, yes, yeah, so they've covered all bases. Eh, I'm happy. <laughs> So basically, Anton says, you don't need to buy this game. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, to be honest, it's the Neo Geo Pocket is a fantastic console. I love it. It's one of my favourite 90s handhelds. Probably actually my favourite 90s handheld. The Neo Geo AES is like a marvel. I would love to see them actually delve into their big home console and get some of those games on the Switch. 24 bits of glorious side-scrolling beauty. And we have the, the handhelds, which is great but it's not the AES. Maybe give it time, possibly? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's change tack a little bit. Let's talk about games that aren't coming out, or that maybe came out, but are no longer there. After publicly threatening legal action, uh, Mini Metro clone Mini Subway, Logic, on the Metro line, has been taken off the eShop. I am not surprised by that at all, Anton. Would you care to explain why? Yeah, m- uh, Mini Subway, Logic on the Metro line, wasn't just inspired it was a blatant clone and you know to be honest i've played tens of hours of mini metro um and i love it i've got on many many different platforms you could show me a photo of mini subway and i would have thought it was the exact same game it was that level of blatant and um yeah i'm so glad um it was taken down i don't we don't know if it was nintendo don't know if it was the actual publisher or developer behind mini subway but at least now there won't be people getting lured away from buying the proper game that people should be buying mini metro such a great game and so is many more ways also check that out if you haven't played it indeed it does come back to the fact that nintendo are getting worryingly slapdash about what they allow on the eShop. i mean it was it it was kind of better when they did a bit of curation and actually just let good stuff in. Now the fact mm. that literally anybody can put anything on it, just about it seems, it's maybe not the best thing. Yeah, we do. Uh, if you're not familiar, we do for our patrons, which you can learn more about at nsukp.co.uk forward slash support dash us. We do a show called Roundup where we go through all of the games that are getting released and we cover many of them that are brilliant do a whole bunch of other segments as part of that show but going through some of them and you know we cover many great games but there are just some ones it's like my god who let this onto the switch <laughs> like we so had a really awful fall guys recently which was yes yeah like, when you're t- yeah tumble yeah, guys or something yep yep terrible game late to the party and after the original one which is already late to the party i mean come on <laughs> better quality control that's what the nintendo seal of approval was about. That's what, one of the reasons why the NES did so well when it first came out. Learn your lessons from the past Nintendo. Do something about this. Do they know from Nintendo's actually listening? 
I, I I have my doubts. I, I feel like they would have phoned angrily at some point. Uh, we we've talked a lot about uh, I think emulation and other miscellaneous bits and bobs over time, but. You know, I think it would be acceptable because even then, I think the Microsoft Store can get some degree of shovelware. Like we talked about a Mario game that slipped on there once. But what mm-hmm. that store is actually really good at is filtering that stuff out where it just falls right down to the bottom. Um, the eShop puts that right up front. <laughs> like it, first tab you're on is like recently released games and some of it is very explicit. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomised genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you have, you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative a construction off the <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely entirely check out the gaming blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now ah uh, they need to fix it they need to fix it okay uh crypt of the next down Try that one again. Crypt of the Necro Dancer uh, has got brand new co-op DLC called Synchrony. It features eight-player gameplay, new characters, items, enemies, traps, weapons, spells, shrines, and more. That's a fairly beefy DLC, Anton. Um, yeah, it is very, very expansive uh, for a five-year-old plus game. It looks incredible, and to be honest, I'm amazed that they're going to this level of support with all they've done with Cadence of Hyrule. You know, they could have easily just made a brand new Crypto the Necro Dancer. You know, do what Don't Starve did and do like a Crypto the Necro Dancer together uh, and have that be the co-op version because they're just putting so much love and care into it. Within of the reveal trailer for this new DLC, they also announced or kind of alluded to a new Crypto the Necro Dancer spin-off called Crypto the Rift. So I guess they are going out there making new games. We don't know anything about that, but certainly... As soon as we do, we'll be talking about it here. Indeed. So stay tuned. Um, okay, well, where Crypto the Nectar Dancer is doing very well, Digimon Survive has come out and is maybe not doing quite so well. It's a really weird game. So Digimon Survive is effectively a graphic novel RPG. And it got released and all the critics went, this is a really pretty good game. Maybe the best Digimon game that's been out. It's fantastic. And then it went to the public. And the public were less enthusiastic about it, Anton. Indeed. So uh, we've discussed this game many, many a time because it's been delayed almost four years. Um, Just delay after delay after delay. And we finally got in. Reviewers were like, it's super polished. It's brilliant. It's best Digimon game they've done. A great example of a visual novel. And sadly, the fans are not in love with it. The, The, you know... The critics and fans seem to be in agreement that the story is brilliant. However, one of the core mechanics of Digimon, both I guess in the show and the the lore of the uh, the previous games, is you're training monsters. It's very much that Pokemon style gameplay. And it appears this game does none of that. There's RPG elements, but none of the kind of monster 
elements is at the forefront. It seems like they've been adapting the anime and the anime has been the main source of inspiration here rather than trading cards or previous video games, which is an odd one because what is here is a good game. It's just not what people want it. And um, I sadly think a lot of people who are outside of the Digimon community wouldn't be the ones to pick it up. So they've left themselves in a sore spot, which is especially sad to see since they put so much time, care and love into it, clearly. Yeah, I know a lot of the reviews were kind of saying that they just felt they'd been misled, is maybe the description. They thought they were getting one thing, when in actual fact they are getting another. And you can kind of see where it's coming from, because when they first announced this game, I think there was a general expectation that it was going to be another normal Digimon game. As it got closer to release, they did start putting out statements. I mean, I know the, the game's producer said that, up front, this is a 70% visual novel game, 30% strategy. They've been very open, very clear about that. They have basically said, you're... This is like an interactive episode of Digimon. That's what this game is. But I don't know how many people actually heard that message, picked up on that that communication, and were maybe still expecting a traditional train and battle Digimon type game. And they've just been let down. But having said that, although the community has gone online and places like Metacritic and has been absolutely inundating it with negative reviews, dropped down to something like 1.6, I think, at one point. It was a really, really low score. The people who like the game are now fighting back. And the score is creeping back up. I think the last time I read about it was 4.6. So it's getting higher and higher again. And there are people out there who absolutely adore it. And rightly so, because all the critics have said it's a very good game. Indeed. I, I have a good ex- um, can't belief that I think this will probably come a little bit of a cult classic eventually. Um, I think it's going to go through this wave of backlash. And, you know, in future, there'll be other Digimon games that are a little bit more faithful and Hopefully then it can be looked back of as just a unique oddity. And the way that Devil May Cry DMC, the remake, got looked at a lot more fondly when people knew that the main canon wasn't getting abandoned and they did a sequel to the main canon with DMC 5. I think this might be one where as long as this doesn't damage the trajectory that all uh, Digimon games go it can be hopefully appreciated as its own thing, separate of that main canon, maybe just looked at as a spin-off. Um, and everybody can be happy. Indeed. Indeed. Um, up next, if you permit me, Nintendo had a little announcement, you know, the quarterly financial results. Would you mind if I if I indulge myself a little bit in this? Oh, and I love numbers. They're like right up there with letters. Tell me all. <laughs> Okay, so Nintendo did their usual quarterly financial reporting, uh, and they have been what's well, a bit of a mixed bag, in all honesty. They've sold 111 million units of Switch. That makes it the fifth best-selling console of all time. Uh, the top of the list, I think, is the PS... Well, just above them. Uh, so that's in fifth. Fourth place is the PS4 at 117 million. Then comes the original Game Boy at 118 million. The Nintendo DS, 145 million, and the PS2 is the king of them all at over 155 million units. That means that the Switch is not a million miles away from surpassing the Game Boy. 7 million units, they will probably sell that, I would have thought, in the next maybe two years, particularly if they release a Pro, you can guarantee that it will outsell the Game Boy, and that would be monumental and staggering. That just goes to show how popular the Switch has been. Indeed. Um, on the flip side, though, they did actually make an operating profit loss this time. 
they say that's due to chip shortages, which meant they couldn't build as many switches as they wanted, which means they couldn't sell as many. And that led to 22% fewer switches being sold this year than in the same quarter last year. That is significant. I mean, that's more than a fifth difference. But so long as that was, I guess, down to chip shortage and not just people stopped buying them, I guess it's not a big problem. Indeed. Um, yeah. So in terms of the breakdown of what they sold, I find this one quite interesting. So they have sold 3.43 million switches in the first quarter of this year. Okay. 3.43 million switches. 1.32 were made up of the standard switch. 1.52 of the OLED. And only 0.59 million were of the switch light. So basically the OLED has outsold the standard switch but kind of only just and i'm surprised by that because i would have thought if someone was buying a switch you would just buy the oled these days clearly not everybody thinks that way do you think and the price isn't that big between them but maybe it's just enough indeed yeah it's quite interesting to see everybody i know now that buys a new switch i very little of them want a light you know i think the idea of a handheld only console is not the most enticing the hybrid is the element that really sold people on it uh the people that are just getting the light are the people that just want to play a game or two they're they're not really looking for the new switch ecosystem they're not wanting to get a switch to play a whole bunch of stuff and yeah similarly i feel like there's the price difference i'm surprised not more people are going for the oled the only reason i can believe this to be is at least within all physical retailers I've visited the Switch seems to get a lot more bundles than the OLED I think that's kind of just looked at as it's a premium one, if you're going to buy it, you're going to buy it you don't need some games or maybe it's because it's an upgrade for a lot of people the overall sales of the Switch, I'm quite I'm very impressed by, it must be one of the best selling consoles of all time because it's worth noting that the Game Boy sales include the Game Boy Color so that is going from like 86 up until 2000, 2001 when the Game Boy Advance launched. The PS4 had an eight-year lifespan, and that's, what, six million ahead? Uh, whereas the Switch is four years in, PS2 is just a god. <laughs> Nobody can touch that. So, you know, they're in that comp- level of competition. But incredible to see all around. It's just so nice to see. After the flop of the Wii U, it is great to see Nintendo back up there and having the success that that I like to see them having. I have to admit we are slightly biased here, but it's it's really good to see that they've they've managed to come back out of that hole and hopefully when we get the next console, whenever that is, they they keep that trajectory because let's face it, Nintendo have a bit of an on-again, off-again uh, success rate and that means we're probably due for a flop next time round, but maybe we could count the light as the flop and go straight on to the next, next big one. I don't know. I don't know. And it's a good point you make about the light. There's... Very few people, objectively, can now see buying the light. I just think it was a bit of a miss. I know Mike bought, I think, two of them, actually, because, you know, Mike. But for most people, even for kids, they want the main switch because they want to be able to plug it into the big TV. They want to be able to take the Joy-Cons off and play a lot of the games you can't play in a light because you need separate Joy-Cons. It just, it just didn't, it doesn't work mm. as a as a concept for me, but hey-ho. Yeah, so, so Cal, to, to close off on the light, I think the the big thing I'm thinking is I think the there's a, a section of the Switch audience that is purely handheld focus that would have picked up a light for its increased portability. And I think, like our, our very own Mike, the OLED has cannibalized that section of it, where if somebody's wanting a handheld-only Switch, the Switch OLED is the best version for that. 
um, where you know you've got the better screen. That's my theory there is why that has been cut down so much. Yeah, I feel the lights had a, a very short lifespan, but who knows if they produce a light OLED, we I might be eating my hat, and they might suddenly get a whole surge of people buying lights again. Who knows? Um, so that was the hardware. Talking about software, then it's probably not a big surprise. I would have asked you what do you think the the top games are, but you wrote these notes, so you already know, and that seems a bit unfair. So for those of you who are not Anton and don't have the notes in front of you, uh, the best selling games in quarter one this year for Nintendo were the Nintendo Switch Sports which sold 4.84 million units. I'm still not a buyer of that, but do intend to get it. In second place was Mario Battle Striker, uh, Mario Strikers Battle League at 1.9 million units. Then came Kirby and the Forgotten Land at 1.8 million. And Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is still hanging onto that list at 1.48 million units. That is staggering for a gamer of that age. Oh, absolutely. And this... You know, obviously the new DLC will be helping keeping the sales up for that title, but it's been on the top of the sales chart the entirety of the Switch lifespan. It was an early Switch game as well, and there were some good hits early on. You know, we had our Smash Bros, we had God Breath of the Wild early on, Super Mario Odyssey, but Mario Kart 8, a Wii U game, is still in the charts, which is incredible, but... Yeah, I would have never believed Nintendo Switch Sports would sell this many units. I think it's because I never think of the original one of selling so well. I think of it just being included with the Wii, but I guess so many people bought Wiis just for (laughs) Wii Sports. That's it. I mean, a lot of people's first exposure to a Wii was Wii Sports. They went around someone's house, played it, and went, that's great, I'm going to go and get that. And that was kind of the gateway for many, many people. And because it got you up and active at a time when that was novel. Nobody did that before. I know there are things like, I feel that was even before things like Connect, which, yes, you know, Xbox indeed. Connect and all these things. I feel that came first. And it was just so innovative and so much fun. Uh, I can see why there's been a surge in people buying this. And I don't know how much of it is nostalgia, how many of it is people genuinely seeing for the first time going, that looks fun, I'm going to buy it. Uh, either way, it is panning out very well for Nintendo, and I suspect that means they're going to keep supporting it. It also explains why they're still supporting Mario Kart. The fact it's been in the charts consistently since launch, that's a big install base. That's a lot of people that you can sell extra content to. I can see why they're continuing to roll out DLC for it, and will probably keep doing so for a while. Um, the other side of that, so we've talked about the Switch, if we talk about mobile stuff for a while, because Nintendo has been playing around with mobile. They've been quite successful, but in this last uh, quarter, their profits were down. They made 10.9 billion yen. Well, that doesn't really mean much to any of us. The important bit is that was down 16.8% on the last quarter. I'm wondering why. Because they've not released any new games. Is that just people got bored and they've been falling off without anything new to jump onto? Yeah, it's uh, an interesting one because overall the sales picture for Nintendo is more indicative of the silicon shortages and parts um, kind of of bottlenecking than the actual success of Nintendo. Um, You know, they would be much more successful if they had more parts, especially in the Asian market. Whereas the mobile market, they don't have so many limitations and I similarly kind of question whether or not it's the lack of new games. The mobile space moves very, very quickly. You know, just checking the kind of top store. You know, admittedly, you've always got Fortnite and you've always got Minecraft. But beyond that, 
the top games rotate out very, very quickly. And even the most recent of them, Mario Kart 2's Tour, is a much older title, so I do question if we're due another Nintendo Mobile title. To be fair, I've played quite a few of them. They have all been very good games. I still play Mario Kart 2 regularly. I think somewhere on my phone I've got Mario Run, whatever it was called. Uh, I've never played Doctor Path 1, and I've never played the... What's it called? Oh, Animal Crossing. Yes. One bit. But yeah, they, they've been quite successful, so I suspect we'll be due another one soon. There was a Pikmin one that Niantic did, but I don't think it was yeah. particularly monetized in any way. Yeah, and I believe... Like Pokemon Go, it's kind of through a different set of monetization. I don't quite know how that ties into the main Nintendo mothership, but yeah, um, I'm believing Dr. Mario is still kicking around slightly. Fire Emblem Heroes is their baby. Yes, and, of course, yeah. And uh, Dragula's story is wrapping up despite being very successful. Uh, I wonder what's next for Nintendo in the mobile space. You know, we have so many big IPs that haven't really been capitalized on. Um, Breath, um, not Breath of the Wild, Legend of Zelda being one for instance, even Splatoon seemingly is being one of Nintendo's kind of front runners at the moment. And yeah, they've got a lot of franchises, they're big ones, which they've given an attempt at, but have kind of fallen down, like Mario. They gave it a real good attempt, but that's not one of their biggest earners in that space and never saw any kind of further content. So I wonder if they could revisit franchises that they've already done on mobile now. Yeah, they've only got a lot of opportunity, but at the same time, maybe they just feel they've got a big enough base for the Switch that they don't need to worry about mobile for now. Who knows? Let's uh, let's see what the big end does. Um, okay, shall we leap forward into turbo mode? Okay, first up, I will actually, I'm going to run through this list. I'll then ask you what you want to talk about from it. So, Post Void is getting a release date of the 29th of September 2022. New official Nintendo artwork reconfirms that Mario has got nipples. We definitely need to talk about that. Players have been, have been experiencing the sticky ball glitch in Nintendo Switch Sports, where the ball gets stuck, un, uh, stuck to the player. Steam Input has added support for the Nintendo Joy-Con controllers, both individually and as a mini gamepad, and combined into like a pair. The Australian Classification Board, has, uh, or the Age Rating Board, has leaked the previously unknown story details about Bayonetta 3. On Twitter, Masahiro Sakurai has been sharing daily Super Smash Bros. Ultimate screenshots, uh, but it looks like he might be running out of them. Logitech G and Tencent is teaming up to develop a dedicated cloud-based handheld device. YouTube and Crunchyroll apps for the Wii U are being discontinued. Crunchyroll closes on the 29th of August and YouTube closes on, uh, well, at some point in October. Animal Crossing, New Leaf Amiibo card packs have been stocked at the My Nintendo store. Nintendo of Europe is getting a new head of senior managing, uh, or a new head of senior managing director, Tom Inoki. I didn't even know we had the head of Nintendo Europe, but it makes a lot of sense. Uh, CM9 Animations have created a fan-made Mario horror game called Another Princess is in Our Castle based on Mario 64, and finally, the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Booster Course Pass Wave 2 has launched. That was a big turbo mode, Anton. What do you want to talk about? Oh, God, I don't even know where to start. I uh, looked at doing, um, kind of touching on the Wii U as the Wii U um, lover. Um, it's not surprising that YouTube and Crunchyroll are shutting down. YouTube on the, the Wii U was a defining app. It's it so brilliant being able to kind of get videos ready on the Game Pass while having the TV going. It was brilliant, but it's had its day. I don't imagine many people are using it. <laughs> and with the 
kind of phasing out slowly of the eShop. That is not to be kind of, yeah, that ties all in. It's uh, bound to happen. Uh, the Logitech G and Tencent device is quite interesting, and I think could won't be as disruptive over here in the West, but I could especially see it, see it shake up the Chinese market, where even a lot of the big Nintendo games haven't got past sent. Uh, not censorship, but kind of approval, shall we say, uh, within all that market. So I feel Tencent, with their kind of extra arm strength in that market, despite even working with Nintendo, could get something off the go. The plan is for kind of a platform agnostic streaming kind of terminal, basically, where you can do your kind of Xbox Game Pass, your PlayStation Now, your NVIDIA sh- streaming, your uh, kind of Luna and Stadia all in one, it's just kind of a dummy device almost, which does seem quite innovative and means you would have great battery life, but it is no Nintendo Switch, let's be real. And yeah, it's the kind of other princess in the castle. It's it's dumb. It's probably maybe, you get the full experience from a video, but it's amazing to see the power of Nintendo fans, even if Nintendo, fan, Nintendo themselves would prefer not to see it. <laughs> I would say I did watch that video and it is very clever. The person that's done it has done a great job. It's basically taking the Princess's Castle bit from Mario 64 without any levels through the paintings. Just the castle. You walk around in sort of a first person perspective and you basically have to collect something like eight little statues around the castle while avoiding Princess's ghost. Uh, the premise being that you return to the castle eight years after she's died, only to find she's now a ghost and she's basically trying to kill you. If she sees you, she flies at you in a relatively terrifying manner i have to say but all with mario 64 graphics it's it's very clever very well done but yeah as you say if you watch the the, the video of it you probably don't need to play the demo i think you probably can though i think the uh, the code is available to those who actually want to go and run the emulation i i tried watching the trailer for post void and apparently post void does get exceedingly well uh, reviewed by people who've played it they say it's really really good fun it's basically doom it's very very fast paced it's the old style run and gun don't stop if you stop you will die type game but it hurts my eyes it is migraine inducing oh my god vivid colors flashing screens there's so much going on i just it was sensory overload have you watched it i did yeah i'm i am a dumb simpleton baby so i was like hmm flashing colors guns very fun shall play (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was just nuts and okay so i said i want to talk about mario's nipples i do want to talk about mario's nipples there was a whole controversy i don't know if anybody remembers this from last year but pretty much every year nintendo put out sort of seasonal artwork there's usually a picture of mario some wintry scene and every summer there's a picture of mario instead of in his usual overalls he's in trunks at the beach for whatever reason they just seem to do this last year for whatever reason they released a picture of mario and he didn't have any nipples and it just sent the internet into a furore everyone's like where did mario's nipples go why have they censored mario's nipples well nintendo rectified that and mario's nipples are back so my conclusion is mario's nipples went on holiday last year separately from him or he packed them in his luggage and they forgot his bags. So when he got on holiday, he didn't have his nipples. They took the picture. He got home, was reunited mm. with his nipples, and this all was well. You know, maybe the nipples were in another castle. I'm not too sure. <laughs> I was intrigued, though, because I, I have to admit, I didn't look into the, the Sakurai story about him sort of running out of screenshots. What is that about? Yeah, so basically, since in kind of the lead-up to... 
Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, he would just share up screenshots that he's taken as he's just played the game so much and has tons of them and would maybe just put like a little note about what it was in the development or, you know, a little snarky joke or uh, a little riddle. And yeah, he's been doing that since the game was in development, kind of leading up to its 2018 launch and carried it on for the coming years for the DLCs and yeah, it's just been a little bit of a, a daily tradition. Apparently it was part of his kind of morning routine of getting ready and getting active. And yeah, he's ran out of screenshots, which um, it's a sad day when Sakurai runs out of Smash. What can I say? It is. It is indeed. I'm also just a little bit intrigued about the, the European head, Mr. Inoki. Why do we never... We always hear about Doug Bowser. We always hear it's, about the Japanese guys. Why have I never heard about European... Nintendo head. Indeed. So this was actually something that was touched upon in the changing the game book from Nintendo uh, or from Reggie Fizeme. And historically, before he joined the company, Nintendo of America didn't really do as much as they do now. And they basically were just set up for kind of distribution. You know, they were the ones that went and spoke to retailers you know, they had their localized adverts and they kind of just did what Nintendo of Japan gave them and they just worked with what they had. Um, they were literally just kind of, you know, the same as like McDonald's UK. You know, they just made things happen. However, there was a couple kind of events during the lead up to things where basically Reggie challenged Nintendo of Japan and kind of put out being like, yeah, this wouldn't work in our market. And through that, Nintendo of America kind of became more of a presence of actually directing and communicating with Nintendo of Japan and kind of leading the direction for them. And sadly, Nintendo of Europe has never raised up to that level. Um, When starting out early on in the 80s, Nintendo of America was set up very, very early to kind of actually, you know, get a Western presence where... Nintendo of Europe wasn't even ran by Nintendo for a while. They had actually outsourced it from the kind of NES up to early SNES era and then reluctantly only brought it in-house because it wasn't doing as well compared to Sega within all these markets. And it was only from that point that Nintendo became the powerhouse in this market that they're known as today. So I'm really hoping with how much fresh management is at Nintendo, they can make Nintendo of Europe more of a focus, more of a presence than it has been in the past in the same way of Nintendo of America really tailors to their market. Fingers crossed. I guess it's probably a lot harder doing Europe because in Europe you've got a whole load of different languages to try and work with, whereas in America you're probably just dealing with English, I'm guessing. does make the job slightly simpler, but... It's great. New head. Let's see what they do. That is fantastic news. Okay, I think that's pretty much it for Turbo Mode, so let's move on to our rumours. Now, I'm not normally one for gossip, but... All right, well, I say rumours. This week we've got a rumour, and it is that the German rating board, uh, USK, has rated Risen for the Nintendo Switch, published by Nordic, uh, THQ Nordic. Now, Risen, I'm going to say, was what, Xbox 360? No. Yes? Indeed, yes. Yes. So it was uh, a game developed by a much younger Deep Silver. And it got a couple sequels. I believe it got free on the 360s. And, you know, it was 
kind of it's doubly as doubly as it gets. It wasn't the most polished title in the world. It was definitely after a couple of years a bit of a bargain bin special. Um but a good bargain bin special. It's I don't think getting a new port of it's gonna change many minds, but I think there's gonna be people that grew up with it or put some time in with it that'll be glad to see it making its way around again. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be breaking any records. And to be fair, there were two pretty awful sequels to it. I think the first game was generally well-reviewed. The sequels that came afterwards were, let's just say, less so. So hopefully they don't bother porting them over. But, I mean, we never we never sniff a good content. And this is good enough content. This is not shovelware. So bring it our way. That's it. So uh, if you've enjoyed the show, and if you're not already a patron or haven't been a patron in the past, or indeed you're not currently a patron, feel free to come and join us. As a patron, head over to www.nsukp.co.uk forward slash support dash us where you can find all the good information about how to become a patron and get the millions of extra shows, I'm pretty sure that's not an exaggeration by now, that uh, mostly Anton and Mike have churned out every so often you hear my horrendous tones popping up, uh, generally when Mike is in the Amazon or in space or at the bottom of the ocean or doing something interesting. Uh, you can also check out our YouTube channel where we have just dropped a new review, Anton. Indeed, we have a, a new review by one of our reviewers, Louise, of Tonok County. Uh, we put out reviews about every week-ish. And yes, it's a growing space. Always trying to adapt. We'd love some feedback and check out what we've got there. You might find a game or two you might want to pick up. I'm always amazed at the, the number of views we get per month. Every so often, you, at the end of the month, you get this of the roundup of how well your channel's done. And I keep looking and going, we've had how many views? Wow, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it makes me very happy. Yeah, it's interesting because we've got some older clips on there and it's some of those are still kind of churning out views and getting some clicks. Like there's an old one where we're chatting about rumours of a dis, uh, kind of epic Mickey 3 and so many people still crave that game, as do I. Well, yeah, you can go find out what we're saying about it too if you head over to the YouTube channel. We'll just search for a Nintendo Switch UK podcast, I think is what it's under, isn't it? Indeed it is. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, anything else you want to add? And we we're on socials. Do you want to do the socials? Yeah, so we are NSUK Podcast. That is on Twitter and Facebook. And if you'd like to send us a lovely email, that would be podcast at nsukp.co.uk. It is indeed. I don't think there's anything else we need to add to that. So I'm just going to say cheerio. Au revoir. You what? Tell us. The people want to know. Ah, oh, scandalous. <laughs> Breaking the show. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help myself. 